0: So we finished up the book of Acts, and we're starting Romans next Sunday for Easter, which is perfect, because the beginning of Romans, first seven verses are about the resurrection. That's awesome. And th- today, I want to do a bridge. I want to do a bridge from Acts to Romans, and really talking about the Apostle Paul the rest of the story, the rest of the story. We just finished up Acts 28, and uh, we saw well, Paul was in prison in Rome. And now we're going to go from that imprisonment to his final imprisonment in Rome, uh, which I'll connect all the dots here in a minute. And the title for today, I had to all come up with a title because it just was tricky. But this is what I ended up calling it, Paul's Powerful Words of Encouragement for Scary Times. Anybody living through scary times? Well, if you're living in our country, you are. You're living in the world, you are, right? The whole world's crazy, right? Uh, but also our own personal lives and our church, you know, we finally got back in the, the for the service, right? But uh, just crazy. It just seems like everybody's going through a trial. And it, does it feel like everybody's going through a trial? It is. Trust me. I'm the pastor. I hear it all. Everybody's going through a trial. So... This is his encouragement for scary times, crazy times. We're going to look at the book of Acts, Romans, and then 2 Timothy. Now, this is Palm Sunday. As you know, I saw most of you. Everybody got their palms, right? Got your palms on the way in. And uh, make sure you take one. If you need, there's extra. Take them. Give them out to people. Uh, Thank you to the pod shop for donating these to us. Really appreciate that. But as you know, Palm Sunday really is just leading up to something even more meaningful for us, and that is Good Friday, Good Friday, Good Friday, and then the resurrection, that'll be next Sunday. But uh, before you get to the resurrection, it's the cross of Jesus Christ leading up to the cross, to Good Friday, and we're going to connect the dots to Paul's life today, to the cross, and even more importantly, connecting it to our lives, because we're connected to not just Palm Sunday, which is exciting, but going up to the cross and what that means for us. And thank you, Laurel. Laurel was making all these things for me, bringing me all these things. She even gave me options, choices. Thank you, Laurel, for the choices you gave me. I really appreciate that. She picked this one out for me. I think she liked the other one better. But anyway, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for all that could be here today. We know every one of us, whether we're sitting here or watching this or listening to this, It's no accident. You want to do something in our life spiritually. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move. And if anybody here has never put their faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Today, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so. In Acts 28, I'm gonna store all my stuff here. In Acts 28, we found Paul was tucked safely away. Remember the S's? Safely in Rome. Tucked safely away in Rome. He even had a chain to him. You know, he's chained to a prison guard, Roman guard, 24 hours a day. Uh, He was also waiting for his big trial before Caesar. Waiting for that. Now for the rest of the story. We know this from the uh, different epistles. We know this from church traditions. But we've been able to piece together pretty much that Paul was released after that trial. It turns out that the charges were false. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine uh, someone being arrested on you know, trumped up charges false charges? you know Can you imagine it happening in America today and and you know and not just one person but we see it happening to lots of people right Crazy, crazy stuff all right so Paul is released in sixty two AD because the charges were false and the church uh, father Jerome wrote this he said Paul was dismissed by Nero that the gospel of Christ could be preached in the West. That was what the church father Jerome wrote. Paul continued his ministry from 62 to 64 A.D. Clement, of, the bishop of Rome from 88 to 89, he says this. He says, Paul went to the extreme limit of the West. Does anybody know the extreme limit of the West of the Roman Empire? Any, any ideas? Spain. He landed in Spain. In fact, we know Paul's plan all along. The Holy Spirit was leading him to go. All Spain was way out there, right? All the way to Spain. The Holy Spirit was leading him. In fact, in Acts I'm sorry, at Romans fifteen, twenty three it says this But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Thing. Remember Paul wrote Romans just before he, 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 a little bit before he got to Rome for the first imprisonment, right? I hope to see you all passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Verse 28 says, do I have another one? Verse 28 Uh, Here we go. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. So we know that Paul ended up in Spain, and this was when, during this mission trip, 1 Timothy and Titus. Were written during this time. This is when Paul wrote these epistles. He wrote the different epistles at different times of his his missionary journeys in his life. But we know that First Timothy and Titus were written der, during during this, which gives us even more clues. If you study those books, we see that he spent a lot of time around the Aegean Sea, with in Macedonia as mentioned in Crete, Nicopolis, uh, Nicopolis, Nicopolis. Well, anyway. Uh, N-I-C-O-P-O-L-I-S, however that's pronounced, pronounced, some of you Greeks out there, Miletus, Corinth, and Troas. Troas were all listed. So he spent this time right around this whole circle with the Aegean Sea. But then the mission trip was cut short because in a massive tragedy, a massive earth-shattering event happened, occurred that shocked the world, that shook the world, really, Rome burned. Rome caught on fire and burned. And it's, you know, we, we hear history, Rome burned. This is huge. This was like 9-11 and COVID multiplied many times over. It was just shocking, massive shock to the world at that time. July 18th and 1964 A.D., it burns for six days. Rome burns for six days. Half the city was destroyed. You can, it just was a massive city at that time. Public opinion came out right away that Nero started the fire. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew he wanted to get rid of that whole area of Rome because it was an eyesore and had to get rid of it so he could build a more beautiful Rome, right? Uh, And there was even a conspiracy theory that people saw him fiddling while Rome burned, right? Uh, But it it couldn't be true because conspiracy conspiracy theories never come true. So anyway, uh, but but Nero... Didn't like that rumor. Didn't like any of it. So he silenced it, and he colluded. Now, get, this is what he? He colluded with his political party, the media, and big tech to squash that. <laughs> get the point, right? It, it didn't start now. It started a long time ago. He, he, he squashed it. He squashed it. He was very important. He was determined that he could squash this rumor, this conspiracy theory, so the truth of what really happened didn't come out until much, much later much later until the damage was already done to the Christians. You you, you can connect the dots, right? Nothing's new. Nothing's new. Nothing's new to the the Christians. The damage was already done. Nero was desperate to find a scapegoat for what had happened because he knew he started the fire. So he used his propaganda to spread these lies. Can you believe that? Uh, Spread these lies. And he... And he blames it on the Christians. That was the scapegoat. That's who he blamed it on. It was the Christians' fault. We're seeing the same thing happen in the United States on a regular basis, aren't we? Anything goes wrong, it's the Christians' fault. Anything bad happens to the Christians. And, and this was what Rome was doing because they already didn't like Christians there because they, they were atheists. How were they atheists? Well, they didn't worship the Roman gods that made them atheists. They only worshipped this one god. This wacky Jewish God out there. You know, they didn't like the Jews, didn't like the Christians, right? And, and so they were considered atheists. So they were actually hated in their society. Whenever there was a, a drought, they blamed the Christians. Well, they aren't worshiping our gods. It's their fault. Whenever something bad happened, the Christians were, were blamed. It happened on a regular basis. But, and that's exactly what Nero did. In fact, Tacitus, the Roman historian who was a child during the, the fire in Rome, He was a kid. He ended up writing in 117 AD. Listen to what he says about what happened here. Very eye-opening. He says, the public believes that the fire is the result of an order by Nero. Fact. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. All right. And, And a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out, not only in Judea, but the first source of the evil... Uh, The first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things of hideous and shameful form from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Accordingly, an arrest was made, the superstition being that he was raised from the dead. Accordingly, uh, an arrest was made of all who pleaded guilty, back to the fire. Then upon their information, how do they, why do they plead guilty, do you think? Torture. You torture someone long enough, they're going to say whatever you want them to say. That's what they did. Then upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted. He tracked down all the Christians. Not so much of the crime of firing the city as of a hatred against mankind. They saw Christians as hating mankind because of the moral things they preached, because of their atheism, because of the moral things they preached. People took it personally. How dare you say I'm lost? How dare you say I'm going to go to hell? How dare you say I can't do X, Y, and Z. They were hated for that because Rome was well, a lot like the USA today. Anyway, mockery of every sort was added to their deaths, covered with the skins of beasts. They were torn by dogs and perished or were nailed to crosses or were doomed to the flames and burnt to serve as a nightly illumination when daylight had expired. Nero's parties, human candles. At night, Nero offered his gardens for the spectacle and was exhibiting a show in the circus while he mingled with the people in the dress of a charioteer or stood aloft on a car. Hence, even for criminals who deserved extreme and exemplary punishment, there arose a feeling of compassion. For it was not, as it seemed, for the public good, but the one man's cruelty that they were being destroyed. He went so far that people felt compassion for these Christians. That's what happened. Then Nero has all the leaders, Christian leaders arrested, and he arrests Paul and Peter at this time. If you've ever seen the movie Paul, Apostle of Christ 2018, it shows a vivid picture of what Paul went through for this imprisonment. He was put in an underground dungeon along with Peter. In Rome, the infamous Mamertine prison, they would lower them through a hole into this pit is what it really was into this living hell paul was lowered it was beyond comprehension and paul stayed in that hell hole until he was beheaded the only time he got lifted out was to be beheaded and at the same day tradition tells us that peter was also crucified upside down why was peter crucified but paul was beheaded Because Paul was a Roman citizen. He couldn't be crucified. So he got the the easy way out, chopped his head off. Peter, who was not a Roman citizen, was crucified, but he asked to be crucified upside down. Because he said he didn't deserve to be killed the same way Jesus was. It was during Paul's final time in this prison that he completed his final ministry. He wrote 2 Timothy there. Last thing he did. Powerful words for us today. 2 Timothy one seven. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Some of your versions out there say God did not give us a spirit of fear or of timidity, a spirit of fear, but power. The Holy Spirit's power. We've been talking about that all the way through the book of Acts. Victory no matter what. Even if we're rotting in a prison, we still can live in victory through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the holy spirit. God has given us a power a, a power not timidity, but a spirit of power. We have the holy spirit's power in us. It would you know I you know I've been studying the separatists, the pilgrims, and they were called separatists when they lived in England, and you know I have relatives 13 grandparents on the Mayflower and so I've been doing a lot of reading and and uh, it was Everybody thinks, well, the pilgrims just decided to go to America. But they, they were persecuted for 100 years. It was 100 years in England. They were persecuted for following the Bible. They, they went against the apostate Church of England. The, the Church of England was apostate at that time. It is today. All right? And uh, you just read the news. But, but, but it was apostate. And, and they would – because they wouldn't go along with the apostasy – Part of it, they were hunted down by the, the the Church of England and the the Christian Queen Elizabeth that we all heard so much about, and the Christian King James, you know, King James Bible that is revered. Uh, they were both uh, com- they hunted down these Christians and, and 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 imprisoned them and tortured them and burned them at the stake, executed them and burned them at the stake. That's what Queen Elizabeth and King James. And the apostate Church of England was doing them for following the, the Bible. Following the Bible is what they were doing. Listen, this is coming to the United States today. It's coming. You can see that, that the real Christians are already in trouble. You know the, the Bible and the Gospel of Jesus Christ are now considered hate speech, hate speech. It's coming. But listen to what he says next. In 2 Timothy 1, 1.8, 1, 8, he says this, Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. By the power of God. We, not, we shouldn't be ashamed to witness. We can't let fear stop us. Don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel. And this is for us today. Don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel by the power of God. The power of God. In Philippians 3.10, he explains more about that, what he's really talking about, he, where he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Don't we all want that? Raise your hand if you want that. Next week, Easter, we're going to be really positive next week. Don't worry. Invite your friends. but right, right, The power of the resurrection. But look what he says here. And the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. <laughs> Anybody putting their hands up now? Right? That, but, but that's exact. It's when we suffer. He's saying when we suffer for Jesus Christ, it's then that we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's when we re, we, re, we experience resurrection power. I can't explain it. I'm just telling you it's true. We see it all throughout history. We see it with Paul. We see it through history. We see it all over the world. There's so much persecution going on in the world today, more than ever. It's crazy, and it's coming here because Jesus said you will be hated by all nations because of me. Guess what? That includes the USA. We're going to be hated before Jesus comes back again. But it's when we suffer for Jesus that we experience resurrection power. Uh, Think of it this way. You ever see when you see a story of, like, say a car is up on a jack and it falls on a little kid, and then a grandmother comes by and lifts that car off that kid? You see some of these crazy stories, right? How did she do that? It was adrenaline. Adrenaline. And we get spiritual adrenaline. Spiritual adrenaline, a spiritual adrenaline rush when we 're persecuted and when we suffer for jesus christ that 's what we get i can't it, it's just true I remember being a School board meeting 23 years ago, and and I got hammered at that meeting. Some of you were even there, I think, and hammered. You talk about hate speech, hammered, said all kinds of wicked things about me because of Jesus Christ and because of the gospel and because I was sticking to the Bible and they wanted to throw us out of the school at that time. Thank God the school board was, was... God moved in their hearts, and they kept us there. But, man, did I get – you couldn't believe the wicked – I can't even repeat what they said, cursing me out in Jesus' name, some of these people. And and I'll never forget one of the ladies behind me after I sat down, and I kept my cool. She said, welcome to the long arm of tolerance. <laughs> That's tolerance? I've seen the face of tolerance. It's an ugly face. Let me tell you. It's a, and, and, but but – when I'm leaving there, and they're chasing me out they' will follow me out they're like, You know, they're just going to follow me to the car. Who knows what they're going to do? They're going to beat me up, threaten all kinds of stuff. You know, and and but you know, what? I floated out of there. That was nothing compared to what people are facing persecution in China and the Middle East. But it was a lot for me at that time, and I floated out of there. There was there was spiritual power. It's hard to even explain. Second. Timothy 1.12 says, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. When we're persecuted or in a trial of some kind, could be a trial in our life, could be anything, right? The key is to focus on what? Back up to the beginning of that again. Because I know whom to focus on, the whom that is the key. I know whom I have believed. It's not the circumstances. It's not the the sickness. It's not the persecution. It's not the hate. It's not the you know financial problems. That's not what we focus on. We we need to focus on the whom. That is the key. To focus on the whom, and I love the, the the hymn. You know, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. That he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You just sang Bible verse. You sang Bible verse. Keep that. Keep that. It's powerful. Don't focus on what is happening to us. Don't focus on what could happen or might happen. (laughs) Anybody worry about that ever? Right? No. No, But focus on that no matter what happens. Who has us in his hands? And what we have put in his hands. Look what he says. Uh, I'm convinced he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. We have whatever we, he will keep what we have entrusted to him. Have I committed everything to Jesus? Have I put everything, surrendered all to Jesus? The only way anything's going to be safe. Anything. Only way we're going to have peace. The only way anything will be permanent in our life is if we put it into Jesus' hands. Treasures in heaven, right? Forget the stock market. Treasures in heaven. They're not even going to have a, an American dollar pretty soon. It's going to be a one-world currency. That's a whole other sermon. Right? Our families, we worry about our families, our loved ones. Put them in God's hands. It's, that's the only way they're going to be safe. And it takes surrender. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to put everything in his hands to surrender. Remember the Billy Graham closing him after the end of every Billy Graham crusade, I surrender all. Wait, oh, am I mixing up just as I am all? Not Billy Graham. Forget Forget Billy Graham. They're They're all good. Wait, what was his? Just as I am. am. I'm mixing them up. No, not not just as I am. Forget that. Forget Billy Graham. Sorry, Billy, you're out of the sermon. All right. (laughs) He understands. He's busy in heaven, right? So, No, I surrender all. That was it. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to him, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. It's been running through my head all weekend. It's easy to sing, it's hard to do. Right? It's daily. Hourly, it's minute by minute, second by second. Right? It's a struggle to surrender all. Second Timothy two three, he says this: endure hardship with us, with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Did you ever want to be in the military? You are. The no moment you put your faith in Christ, we are in a spiritual war. But look what it says: hardship. It's going to be hard. I remember when I was. Younger people, they accept Jesus and life gets better. Who started that lie? It gets hard because you're in a battle now. You're fighting. You want it easy, go along with the world till so you get to the end, and then you know it's a mess, right? But, but it's hard to fight the world. It's hard to fight Satan. It's hard to fight sin. It's hard to fight hard to fight the flesh, right? Uh, Second Timothy three one to five. Some more gems from from Paul. But mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Why do I feel like I'm reading the news? Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. The apostate church. The apostate church. We are living in terrible times, aren't we? In last days, what's well, the last days of the USA? Very likely, right? You know, that's very likely. But this, he's warning us what it's going to be like. Don't be shocked. What happened to our country? You know, The Bible happened. Prophecy happened. Jesus' warning happened. And it shows us that it's the last days, that the second coming is getting closer and closer. The bad thing is it's horrible. The good thing is we know what's going to come at the end. Jesus, the whom we have believed, right? Uh, <clears throat> one more. 2 Timothy 4, 2-5. This is for the, uh, the apostate church of today. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Apostate, woke churches all over the country... All over our town. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head in all situations. That, that time is here in the USA today. But he's saying don't cave in. Don't conform. Keep your head spiritually. Paul knows he's not going to keep it physically. Look at what he's saying. One of the last things he ever wrote? Through the Holy Spirit. Even if we can't keep it physically, keep it spiritually, right? Paul's final letter, final epistle, has some vital lessons for us in the USA today. I probably don't even need to connect the dots, do I? Like Rome's fire and the resulting persecution, it only takes a spark. Did we see that last summer, sorry, sorry for with the, the, the spark of the countrywide country ride riots and cities burning? And it, it, we, it only takes a spark and we must be ready. There is so much hate toward true Christians today. There is so much hate toward true Christians. In fact, I let a, left a verse. So I'm going to go back to it. Second Timothy 3:12. Can you find that one for me? Emily? Sorry. It says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will be persecuted. There's so much hate toward true true Christians. Listen, if you're a real Christian and really living for Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. Real Christian, really living for Jesus Christ equals persecution. If you are not being persecuted in the United States today, I've got bad news for you. You're either not a real Christian or you're not really living for Jesus because it's impossible. These, these, these churches that are, you know, woke and, and so popular, they don't upset anybody. Yeah, guess why? Not really living, not really preaching. The true gospel. You know, it, 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 it's here. There's so much hate toward true Christians who are really living for real Christians who are really living for Jesus. That's what it's aimed toward. It's, it's aimed toward the real ones. And the fire is smoldering. The smoke is there. There is an open hostility. Open hostility in the U.S. today toward true Christians, even from the apostate churches, right? The apostate churches, the woke churches, they're throwing stones at the real ch- churches all the time. Oh, they're so unloving, so mean. People really don't like them because they, they're, they're mean. Yeah, Preaching the Word of God is mean? That's the most loving thing you could do. You're warning someone that they're going to spend eternity in hell. The real love is the one who doesn't want them to do that, who tells someone the truth, who tells them that they can be forgiven and have life in Jesus Christ. That's love. Not giving them a shove toward hell, right? That's love. And, 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 and there's this open hostility with the political leaders in our country who claim to be Christian. I'm a Roman Catholic. You know. Yeah, sure, you're completely anti-Christ. Anything in the Bible you go against, please don't call yourself a Christian, right? But these the ones who are in control, they're completely anti-Christ. The, the majority of Hollywood, the majority of the media today, the, the big tech is completely against real Christians and real Christianity, and it, it's just it's just always there. You can see it. Where was the solidarity with the Christian community with this shooting at the school shooting? You know, the the children shot. Shot, where was the solidarity from all these companies and the the media? Where was it? Uh, What what if it was, what, what if a Christian shot a trans youth? God forbid. Nobody should be shot, right? We should protect everybody, right? Especially as Christians. We have to love, we love everyone. With the love of Jesus Christ. But what if it had? And, and it, what if that had happened? What would have been the difference? Instead, the media, much of the majority of the media, took the trans shooter's side. Did you see that? Are you following that? It, the, the shooter has been painted as the real victim in all that what happened. It, uh, here's a headline from a Christian news site. I don't remember where I got it. Media narrative after shooting Christianity is the real problem. Hours after the shooting, the blame game, game began in earnest. None of this would have happened, activists said, if society were more accepting of the trans ideology, if Audrey's parents had just been more open to her male identity if states had just stopped banning drag shows and kids' gender transitions, right? That's, that was what had happened immediately. It was unbelievable. And, and only as the Babylon Bee can really explain this. This is the Babylon Bee. FBI vows to get to the bottom of what Christians did to provoke attack. The nation's top investigative force has pledged a full commitment of its resources to identify, isolate, and destroy whichever Christian beliefs were responsible for the brutal attack at a private Christian school this week. And we laugh, but that's true. It's true. How should we respond? This is hard, right? How should we respond? Jesus tells us, Matthew 5:44. but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. It's not just the trans ideologists, it's the whole society, right? Against us. We love them and we pray for them. That is what we're called to do, to love our enemies and pray for them. Will we do that for our enemies? Enemies, will we instead of getting angry, which anger is okay, it's as long as it's righteous anger and it doesn't cause us to sin, but instead of just staying in that anger, will we see them for what they are? They're Satan's POWs. They're just like we were, remember? They're just like we were. They're prisoners of war. They are being tortured. They are being tormented spent some time with these people they're tormented the, the world without jesus christ right my heart breaks for these well I'll just name my heart breaks for the lgbtq individuals that they're they're spiritual victims of satan's lie and the world's lie they're the victims they're not the enemy satan and and, and society has sown these lies and confusion and not just with that not just with that, but with every sexual sin you throw in the throw in the premarital sex and the extramarital sex and the pornography and everything else. We all are the whole country is under the, a demonic lie. Satan is selling this confusion and the lies. But but back to not back to loving our L G B. I think I got that right. they've added so many letters that I can't keep up. But anyway, as, instead of hating them, we have to love them and realize that they've been lied to. A, a few years ago, 2% of the country identified as LGBTQ. It's now up to 7%. 7%. And among Generation Z, it is 20%. Think about that. How did, how did that change? Interestingly, nobody is repeating the old lie, the old demonic lie, that you're born that way. You don't hear that anymore, do you? No, no, not anymore. That was demonic deception. I've been saying it for many, many years. Now the, the LGBTQ lobby is telling a new lie, that sex and gender for everybody is fluid. It's just fluid. You're not, now, it's fluid for everybody. You can flow one way only, not the other way. You can flow any But this is really what I've been saying all along. This is what I've been preaching all along. I'm now in agreement with them. Right? We are all born broken. We're not born with X, Y, or Z. We are all born sinful, with a sin nature, broken, vulnerable, because what has happened to us are doors that we have opened. In that, not just this, For all of us, for everything, we are born that way. But we can change. Just like they say, you can change, go one. I'm saying you can go the other way. We can all change, no matter what sinful life we are living. Homosexual, heterosexual. Addiction, addictive sins, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. I'm going through a Bible verse there. You know, doesn't matter what it is. We can all change, no matter how damaged we are, no matter what door has been opened, no matter what sin or stronghold we are suffering, struggling with. We all have many things, right? I know I do. I hope I'm not the only one here, right? I know I do. And but, but we can be. Saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We can be sanctified, made holy, made like Jesus again, sanctified uh, by daily battling through God's mercy and grace. We can be sanctified. That's why we started New Hope Community Church. To bring the gospel to hurting people. That's why we went through all that we went through and have continued to go through. We want to bring freedom in Christ to everyone here in New Oak, Lambertville, all the surrounding communities. We want to bring it because that's what Jesus did for us. We know what He brought us out of. Him. And look what we have seen. Look at the lives that have been transformed. Every one of you has a testimony, a powerful testimony. And, and our, our, the, ver- the verse that we've always stuck to, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, this is the key verse for our church, where he says, Do you not know, Paul says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Important, not everybody's going to heaven. Just because we think we are doesn't mean we're gonna. There's only one way. We're gonna get to that in the end. Do not be deceived. That, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. That's like the whole country. That's like all of us without Jesus Christ, right? Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. Check. Or adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. <clears throat> that is what we all were, right? Right? Don't raise your hand but I could we could I could check many of those boxes I'm, I'm thinking some of us you might be nobody here, but you might know something like that anyway but that, but we all that's what we were, but we were transformed by putting our faith in Jesus we were justified just as if I never sinned the moment you say God, I believe Jesus died for my sin I repent of that old life I want to put my faith in Jesus and give my life to him, surrender my life to him, at that moment you are justified in God's sight, just as if I never sinned. Not only that, but you are washed, immediately washed with the blood of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ. You are washed and then sanctified, set apart for Jesus. And now we know we're set apart immediately, but the but the but positionally we're sanctified with Jesus, but we know that it's also the Bible teaches sanctification is a lifelong process as till so you stop breathing you're working on your sanctification by faith by God's mercy and grace we're depending on that for our, our sanctification you, we never arrive we never have complete victory we never are like oh i used to yeah, yeah, you're them and i mean no it's, we always remember god lets us fall on our faces on a regular basis to remember that we're no no different from anybody else we're just saved by grace and we live by that mercy and grace if, if you struggle with anything on that list, then we could all add a lot to that list, couldn't we? I'm sure we could make a lot longer verse out of it, just in our church alone. If you struggle with anything, we are here for you. This church is here for you. Anybody out there listening, watching, we have a men's purity group that meets on a regular basis. We have uh, uh, Harvest USA that we, lots of folks are connected with Harvest USA, getting sexual healing and freedom. We have Celebrate Recovery, ready to kick in anytime. Whenever we have people that need it, we have a Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we have Christian counseling. We have Post the Board of Healing. We have a whole ministry with Wendy uh, Shedding who who does the counseling on that. We have and if, if there's something on that list, we have individuals that have been through anything and everything. People say to me all the time, Pastor Chuck, if someone is struggling with this or that, X, Y, Z, let them, send them to me. I will help them because I've been through it and I understand. We've got everything covered. Let me tell you, anything, and you would be shocked what we have covered. If you knew, you probably wouldn't be sitting next to the person next to you. But anyway, we've we got everything covered. But. There is another level for those who have been deceived and under deception and POWs, but there's a whole other level of attack going on in this country. And I'll use the, 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 uh, I'll, with the, what just happened with the shooting. I'll use this as an example, the radical trans hostility, which is demonic. That audrey person was demon-possessed. Uh, the Bible uses the word demonized. Anybody who shoots Anybody. And, you know, they go on these shooting sprees. They're demonized individuals. They're possessed. And there's a lot of other things you see happening. You can recognize, if you read the Bible and you watch the news, you recognize a lot of demonized individuals just being poured out on our country. As we've turned our back on Jesus Christ on the cross, it's being poured out. But they're demonized. And, and these, these, uh, the radical trans websites, they're, you know what they're saying now? We need to kill lots more Christians we got to get out there and kill lots of them. And people in the society are backing them up. People I know are saying, yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's what they deserve. That's you know, craziness. Craziness. And, and, uh, and, and it's it, it just, it, I don't know if you've been found the memes with the day of vengeance. There's a day of vengeance, which they kind of backed off a little bit on. But the memes are blowing up out there from these groups. They're saying every day is a day of vengeance, and you're showing somebody holding a gun. Every day is a trans day of, of vengeance. And and we will, this person's a lot harder to love, right? Not just that person who's confused and upset and broken, but how about the hostile one? This is a not, will we love them? Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Will we love these people enough to speak the truth in love? And not just, I'm just using trans as one example. Everybody in our society now is against you know, lost and in many hostiles, and will we love these people enough to speak the truth in love? Like Paul, Paul knew most of the Jews he was talking to—these Pharisees and stuff—he was talking to. He knew most were going to just stone him. He got stoned how many times? They, he, knew, he knew stones were coming, but he kept speaking the truth in love, because when he did that some listen every time we saw those verses most turned on him but some listened and followed Jesus and that's why we share it because there are people out there who will listen who want the gospel yeah we're going to get a lot of stones coming our way but we the, Jesus says speak you know, paul through the holy spirit speak the truth in love Jesus said keep on speaking the the gospel sharing the gospel and and <clears throat> will we do that knowing that <clears throat> going to get a lot of stones but some will listen i remember Oh, boy, I can't remember. Maybe it was 15 years ago. Uh, Mary Alice, some of you remember Mary Alice, and I've told a story, but a lot of you probably have never heard this story. Mary Alice was um, renting her one of her, her house out, one of the houses on the property, and she rented it. She said, uh, Chuck, the person I'm renting to, found, to, I just found out that he's um, – Homosexual which is no big deal, right? But, but he's a but pretty heavy hitter in the homosexual world. He's like a, a, an activist, a radical activist. And, but I've been telling about Jesus. Big shock, right, Mary Alice? <laughs> Good luck getting out of lunch without hearing the gospel with Mary Alice. And I've been telling about Jesus, and he's starting to show interest. And now I'm going to invite him to church. His name was Kevin. Some of you might even remember Kevin. He started coming to church. And when I'm preaching, I knew who he was. And I knew, you know, Mary Alice introduced me. And I knew what he was about. But he was locked in. He would sit there and just be so focused. You know, like, you know, when someone's really locked in, week after week, this guy was locked in. And I didn't change anything. You know me. I just preached it. And he was locked in. I was shocked. I thought he'd get just run out, you know, or punch me on the way out, threaten me. It's happened, it's happened here, right? And and uh, he didn't and then he Mary Ellis says he's he's really interested. He wants to meet with you. And so I went over and had lunch with Mary Ellis and Kevin and we we're talking, and he was right there. The guy was He was was scarred outside and inside. Anybody can relate to that? He was scarred. But he saw hope in Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus could set him free. He's like, Chuck, I know, Jesus, what you're saying is true. I believe it. He goes, but I know that if I surrender my life i'm gonna lose everything he was in washington dc he was everywhere doing all this stuff one of these people you see in the news right and he goes i know i'll lose everybody and everything in my life if i take this step but i want to pray for me he kept come come church a few more times and then then it was uh let me forget it was easter week easter week and I was praying for him. I was real close to Easter. I was praying for him. I knew he was this close. And Mary Alice called me and said, I just had a three-hour meeting with Kevin. Which, if you know Mary Alice, you know how that happens. And, and she was, like, going through the gospel and the Bible. And she goes, he's right there, Chuck. I think he's going to accept Christ tonight. I really believe that. Or come in the morning, he's going to accept Christ at Easter. And he told me, Kevin says, I'll see you at Easter. And I was looking forward to him. The Easter morning, I got, got there. And I'm looking for Kevin. No, Kevin. But he had to service a very well. something must have happened come up or something. So um, I said, Mary, I asked where is he? he goes, I don't know. He promised he'd be here. He always keeps his promise. Just a great guy. And he uh, she called me, I can't remember if it was that night or the next morning. She called me, said Chuck. She was weeping. She said, Chuck Kevin is dead. He died after we met. He died that night. And not only did he die, but he was in intense pain. They said that he was. it took him like five hours to die. He had this condition, and, and, it, and he died in pain, but he died a long, slow death. It's just terrible. But both of us said, you know what? We believe, just like the thief on the cross, who suffered on that cross next to Jesus, and that's what it took to put his faith in Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. We believe that's what happened to Kevin. And why did God bring him home? His life would have been hell on earth. I Believe me. I wait to hear the rest of the story. And, and and we believe that God, t- in his grace and mercy, took him home right at salvation. But he, he went through that pain. And that was... Five, six hours, he said it took him to die. I'm sure he put his faith in Jesus. He was that close. He thief on the cross, suffering. So we were sad. We were sad, but we were so thankful. And Kevin was, you know, he had dresses and everything. But he, he, you know, sometimes he wore guys clothes. Sometimes he wore women's clothes. You know, he was that. But he was a real, he accepted, he accept, I really believe he put his faith in Christ. But then there was going to be a funeral. Mary Alice called me and said, there's going to be a funeral. They're going to do one of these mule boxes barge rides down the canal we're going to ride down the canal and they're going to have a funeral and they they invited me to come because they knew how close I was to him his significant other one time significant other invited me to come and I said that's great and can I bring my pastor can I talk I want to share something because I know where Kevin was at I was the last, she was the last person to talk to him she was I want to share what he was believing and thinking oh sure sure no problem and can I bring my pastor too oh okay uh, so so he, she calls me, it's great, we can go to the, the funeral on the barge ride. It makes you show up and bring all the Bibles you can fit into your bag, bring a bag full of Bibles, bring them. This is going to be great. Yeah, I'm like, well, okay, so right, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm going to do this, Mary Alice, right, So we get there, we get on the barge, we start going down the barge. I'm sitting with these people, they're all really nice to me, they don't know me yet, all right? And, and they're really nice and everything's great and they start going through this funeral and then it got weird the people people oh, goes I remember Kevin blah 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 but then it got weird and went off on a whole another tangent cuz these are the people he this are people what he was part of and the one guy got up and uh he he was he starts giving a, a, a gay rights talk, a history. It was a real old tired talk. you can tell he did it a thousand times. But while he's doing it, he's stripping his clothes off. And this now, first of all, this guy was like looked like me. And no business taking his clothes off in public, right? So but he did it. And it was that was even the worst part. But then he's but then he's but he's stripping it off and he's doing this whole talk and stripping clothes off, and I am like not comfortable, you know. I said, Mary Alice, I'm not staying on this boat. You know, I think I can make the jump. I was about well, five feet you know and I don't care if I hit the water. i Mary Alice, I'm off the boat. She's like now Chuck, Chuck. Just calm down. These people are lost and we have to put up with a lot in order to share the gospel of them. Now just relax, Chuck. Okay, I'll stay on the boat. <laughs> hugging my bibles right and and so then uh then they got up uh, toward the end it was right at the end and the guy got up and he started reading this prayer and burning incense and they did this sacrifice and hit a gong and i'm reading the, the thing they handed out and they were praying to satan it was a satanic ritual they're praying to satan you know take his soul blah 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 all this stuff and now mary alice is getting crazy wait a minute Trump, they're praying to Satan. Can you believe that? Oh, I can't take this anymore. I said, Mary Alice, <laughs> we got to go through a lot to share the gospel. <laughs> I got her good. She calmed down. Uh, and then they said, okay, thanks everybody for coming. See you later. And she's like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to share. They left me out. I go, well, I have to do the bag of Bibles I'm sitting here with, Mary Alice. And so she goes, wait a minute. She jumped up. Ran up, grabbed the microphone out of the guy's hand and said, you told me I could share something. I'm going to. And she starts going, and I'm the last person to ever talk to Kevin on this earth. And I'm going to tell you what he believed, what he told me he believed, and what he was going to do. He believed Jesus was, could forgive his sins and change him. And and restore his life and give him new life and and you all can have the same thing if you will only put your faith in Jesus. I know he took that step. I know he believed in Jesus. I believe he's in heaven right now and he wants you to be in heaven too. And she's going on like Billy Graham, right? Yeah. And 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 she goes and here's my pastor right here who and wait, while she's preaching, the woman sitting right across me, younger girl, she's doing this. And no kidding, it was a demonic manifestation right in front of me while she's preaching the gospel. Every time she did a violent, like that, it was dem- the whole boat was demonic. Demonize. The Bible says demonization. And listen, we, we all, a lot of, a lot of us come to Christ with demonization, right? That's what Jesus does. He sets us free. He washes us clean. And we, over the years, we get free, right? And she's doing this. And then she goes, and here's my pastor right here. And he has a bag of Bibles, one for everyone here. And they all look at me like, now we're going to throw you off the boat, you know? They, if I had the, the daggers that were coming my way, I'm like, okay. And, Nobody took a Bible. <laughs> they got off the boat. Nobody said a word. One, two people as they come off, they whisper, "I'm one of you," and they kept going. "I'm one of you," and they kept going. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to, you know, hide on that boat. And but Mary Alice, I'm like, why was I on this boat? Now I got to take these Bibles home. You know, why was I on this boat? And Mary Alice, Mary Alice comes up to me with this guy, uh, and. He's a African American young man who looked like he'd been through a lot. But he comes up and he says, She says, Chuck, this is Malcolm. And turns out he was really touched by what I said. In fact, he was a Christian, but he's fallen away because he fell into the homosexual lifestyle and he's on drugs and, and he's close with Kevin and blah, 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 but he wants to, he really is convicted. He wants to come back to God. I said, that's great, Malcolm. That's awesome. Uh, Why don't you come to church tomorrow? It was Saturday. Come to church tomorrow. Love to see you. He goes, okay, I will. I will come. And as he told that later, he told the story later, he shows up that morning and he was flaming. He had his hair curled. He had the brightest nail polished on. He was flaming. He came like that. He said it later. He wanted to test because he wanted to come back to God, but he didn't believe Christians would welcome him and love him. And he was determined to push us away so that he could go on with his life. He wouldn't have – he would – Wouldn't have an would have an excuse, and he was shocked. Everybody hugged him. Everybody welcomed him. It was like he was like. They didn't see anything; they just saw me. And he came back to Jesus. It was a long road, right, Mal? (laughs) Mal tracked him down many times. It wasn't an easy road. It was a long road. But he was set free. He came to Christ. He ended up in Christian ministry. last we knew he was at uh, teen, chair, teen Challenge, ministering at Teen Challenge. And he even came and shared his testimony at church with, with Teen Challenge at one time. Um, powerful story. Powerful story. If we're willing to take the stones, if we're willing to love our enemies, if we're willing to love everyone no matter what they're showing, that's just one issue. We've got lots of issues, right? I'm just using that as an example. Whatever your struggle is, Jesus can set us free. But washed, sanctified, justified. That is what some of you were. But you are washed, sanctified, justified. And we have received that and we need to share that. Are we willing to do that? Are we are we Palm Sunday, Jesus presented himself? to prepare for the cross. He's going to the cross to die for our sins, to take our sins for each one of us, to free us so that it could be what we were. We, we, we are also called to carry our cross. John 14, 27. And anyone who does, Jesus says, And anyone who does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We, too, are called to carry our cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, we're called to carry it, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost, just like Jesus, just like Paul, just like the, the apostles. We are called in the USA today, are we willing, are we ready, are we, willing to, are we really going to live for Jesus Christ? Really live out Jesus Christ's power, which is shown by going through a lot. Are we willing to do that? And if you're here saying you've never put your faith in Jesus, you can experience the power of Jesus Christ in your life. No matter what you struggle with, no matter what on that list or add to that list you struggle with, whatever in your life needs to be forgiven and washed. You can be just as if you never sinned. You can be saved today by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? You might be listening to this. You might be watching. You might be sitting here. And and no matter how badly you have messed up, no matter what mess your life is right now, you can be saved. You can be forgiven. You can have a brand new life. A brand new life by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in Me in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You, Right where you are, right this very moment, it happens in our heart. Faith happens in our heart. But I always encourage people to pray a prayer of faith and put an exclamation on it. You can be justified just as if you never sinned. You can be washed clean. You can be saved and sanctified this very moment by giving your life, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. The simple prayer of faith, God, I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word, your will for me. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. His death on the cross for me, to pay for my sin. I put my faith in him. I want that new life, just as he rose from the dead with resurrection power, I want that new life that you have promised. Let today be the start of a new life for me. Because I'm surrendering my life to you, God. you have prayed that prayer of faith, you now have the Holy Spirit's power. You're in for the shock of your life. Your life will never be the same. won't be easy. There's going to be lots of battles. But you now have a spiritual power to fight. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And you're in for the shock of your life. You're not going to be able to think the same way, live the same way, believe the same things in the same sins. You're going to be convicted now. You're going to be, the Holy Spirit's going to work and you're going to have mercy and grace for every struggle in your life. I want to encourage you if you've put your faith in Jesus to let somebody know today. Maybe you're here with a family member or friend. Maybe you're watching this and you have someone at work who's been talking to you or praying for you. Someone at school promise you're going to let, commit to letting them know as soon as possible that you've made this step because we want to encourage you and, 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 and uh, help you grow in your new faith, be excited for you. Tell me on the way out. Give me a call. <laughs> Text me. Call me. Email me. Let, let us know so we can be excited for you. And for those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is he speaking to us? No matter how messed up we are, we can still be sanctified. No matter how many times we've fallen on our face, we can still progressively be sanctified through daily faith, through God's mercy and grace. And are we ready to share our story, our struggles, what Jesus has done in us, Are we ready to really live out that power of Jesus Christ? We pray, God, I'm going to live out, I'm going to really live out the power of Jesus. Are we willing to share the gospel even with those who we think are going to hit us with a rock? Father, we pray that people would see the power of Jesus Christ in us the love of Jesus Christ, knowing it comes from, even if they don't like what we're saying, they know that they they can sense the love of Jesus Christ in us. That we love them enough to tell them how to be saved, how to live free, how to live forever with you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. To help you remember the commitment, I want to encourage everyone to Take your palm and keep it somewhere, and and also even make it into a cross. You need help, Laurel's out there somewhere. Make it into a cross, and <clears throat> keep it as a reminder. Keep it as a reminder of really living for Jesus Christ, that we can be free. We can keep moving forward. Okay? God bless.